going to experience real life change, that your marriage will not make it, that you will not get that promotion, that you will not be successful, that everyone else in church, when they say amen, and when the pastor talks about favor, that's for them. But you're not going to get the new house. You're not going to get the new car. You're not going to get the things that everyone else is getting. And you've been buying into that. Well, God has sent me all the way from Salado, Texas today to tell you that there is something inside of you that needs to come alive today. And if you allow the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead charge you today, I promise you, you'll find a new outlook on life. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in us. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in us. That's pretty powerful. Isn't that amazing to know that the same spirit that brought life back into our Savior, Jesus Christ, he says, dwells in us. What a power that is. What a power that is. Did you hear me, Crossroads family? What a power that is. I'm not talking about a Mickey Mouse magical wand power. I'm talking about real power. Power that when you pray, God begins to move things for you. Amen? The kind of power that it says that all the other gods melt like wax in the presence of the Lord. That mountains melt like wax in His presence. The same power, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in us. It is in us right now. It's alive in us. The spirit is alive in us. You know, if you're breathing, you know, you're not the frozen chosen, right? If, if, we're, if you've got a cheek in the seat today, if you're here, I'm talking to you. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, he dwells in us. And, and, and I believe that God is, what I'm throwing your way is what you need to get ready to catch is that you are better than you think you are. You are better than you think you are. And, and I've given you permission this morning to give yourself some credit. Give yourself a little leeway to give yourself a break. Look at your neighbor and say, that was for me. I bet you haven't had anyone in a long time maybe tell you, you know what? You're not always the villain in your story of life. But doesn't it seem, though, that in life that we play the villain in our own story? Doesn't it ever seem like that, that if our story were to be drawn out maybe like Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, that we would be the ugly witch with the apple. And you're married to Grumpy. I don't know. <laughs> you know, or whatever the villain is, you know, you're the ice queen. You're the, you're the evil king. You know, you're uh, what was on the Lion King and the, the evil uncle that tried to take over Scar, right? Wow, what a name. And sometimes, maybe you're a man in here and you play Scar in your own role, right? And you're, you're the evil uncle in the story of life. Or maybe you're the ice queen, right? And, and everywhere you go, it's frozen and it's cold. And, and, and I believe the Spirit of the Lord is saying to us today that when we look through our lens too often, we look at ourselves and for some of us, we play the villain in our story. Or let me say it like this. We're our own worst enemy. We're our own, we don't need the devil to be the enemy. I could be the enemy for me. It's easy for me or for some of us to wake up in the morning and say, 
man, you're a failure. Look at you. Get your stuff together. Quit copying me. Quit doing what I do. You ever have your kids do that? That was a random moment. But your kids ever do that? Look in the mirror. Quit copying me. Quit doing what I do. But you look in the mirror and you don't like what you see. You're frustrated with what you see. You're frustrated with the results of life. You're frustrated already 2014. Here we are not even 60 days into the year. And some of you are already frustrated with the results that you're getting. And you're saying to yourself, yep, I knew it. I knew this year would be just like last year. I bought into it. I I heard what Pastor Matt was saying. I said amen. I said I shouted when I was supposed to shout. I raised my hand when he asked me to raise my hand. And I, I, I charged when he said charge. But here I am already, and I'm frustrated with the results. And, I, you know, it's just me. I, I'm my own worst enemy. I'm the problem in life. Now, don't look at your neighbor and say you're a problem. Don't do that. That, that would be bad. You know, we just came out of marriage retreat. We don't need to go backwards, right? We need, we need to go forward. But we're our own worst enemy sometimes. We're our own worst critic. Have you heard this before? Who needs, who, who, who needs enemies, right, when you have relatives, right? right? Who needs enemies in life, though, when, when we have ourselves sometimes? We're our own worst enemy. We're our own worst critic. And we beat ourselves up and we tear ourselves down. We don't need anybody at work to do that. We can stab our own selves in the back. We sabotage our own success sometimes. We might make a daily affirmation. We might make a daily confession. It may be, it may be, we have this video ready of daily affirmations. Maybe daily affirmations look something like this for you. Oh, man. I love that. Somebody say, people like me. (laughs) Allegedly. (laughs) That's the rumor anyways, right? You know, this may not be super spiritual, but I do believe there's something powerful in taking some of God's word, maybe taking a scripture to in the morning, maybe something that God has said about you in his scripture. Do you know that God talks about you in scripture? That's right. Just like other people talk about you, God talks about you. Do you know that Jesus talks about you? He does. The scripture tells us that we have an advocate to the Father, and that is Jesus Christ. The Bible says that he is before the Father, making intercession for us. We have an advocate to the Father, God the Father, Jesus, so that when we pray to God, we have Jesus there to say, that's Matt, (laughs) as if God doesn't know, but... We have God to talk about us. And God has actually said some pretty good things about us. Do you you realize some of the things that that God says about us? The things that he has planted inside of us and the things that when we speak them, they begin to grow. Genesis chapter 1 verse 26. Genesis chapter 1 verse 26. And it says, then 
God said, let us make man in, what does it say? That was, that was lame. What does it say? Our image, according to our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In his image, God created him. Someone say, God created me in his image. Now, Obviously, none of us have ever seen God. The Bible says no man shall see God and live. So, okay, I don't want to see you right now, God. But someday when I get to heaven, we'll see God. But what does it really mean? Does, are we saying that God looks like us? Well, I don't know that God necessarily looks like us. Is he white? Is he black? Is he brown? Is he red? Is he yellow? Remember that song as a kid? Red and white and black and yellow. I was like, man, there are red people and yellow people. Where are they? I've never seen them. You know? um, but in all seriousness, you know God is not this color like we look through the prism of life. And God is not anything I think that we're going to think he looks like. But someday when we get to heaven, we'll see him. But he says that he created us in his image. He says, it let us make man in our image in our likeness. Well, what is someone like? When God says, I created you in my image, I formed you in my likeness, what he is saying, he's saying, I took the best parts of me and I put them in you. Think about that for a moment. God said, I created you in my image, and let us create man in our likeness so that they can be like us. So we know, church, that at the beginning of creation, that Adam and Eve walked with God. Scripture tells us that. It says that Adam and Eve would walk with God in the cool of the evening. That they had this relation. So before sin entered the world, Adam and Eve, when, before sin entered man, there was this perfect union between God and man where, God, where man was like God and God could have fellowship with man. And, of course, we know the rest of the story that, that the woman truly led man into sin and into... No, I'm just kidding. That's not actually... Uh, but it is. But, um, but we know the rest of the story is that truly Adam did what his wife told him to do. It actually is how it really is played out, right? But... The story is that man sinned, right? Man fell into sin and it broke the perfect union. What I'm trying to get us to see when we talk about looking at ourselves is that God put his best of him in us. And I believe that it's still there. So that you know when when someone that you're close to, maybe your spouse, and on the days that they're pleasant to be around, that's the goodness of God in them. Now, when they act like the devil, obviously that's not God. But God put his best, best of him, he put it in us. And he said, I want to make man in my image. I want to make man in our likeness. And so God said, the best parts of me I'm going to put in you. And it seems like life has a way of extracting the best of God in us. It seems like life has a way of bearing and subduing and, and quieting and, and covering and bearing the things that God wants to bring out in us. And so what ends up happening is, rather than believing that we can be like God, in that, obviously, I'm not saying that we are God, but, but we, can, you know, we can smile like God smiles, right? We can have a good dispos- disposition in life, I believe, that God has. That when God looks down on our life and, and he sees that we've been covered in the blood of Jesus Christ, that we, we've been washed in the blood of Jesus, that, that we've been made a new person in Christ, amen. As 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. 
old things are passed away and everything has been made new. Amen? So when we start looking through that lens of life, we can begin to see that, wow, maybe I don't always have to be the villain in my story. Amen? Maybe I'm a little bit better than I give myself credit for sometimes. I'm here to tell you today and really to shatter the lies of the enemy in your life to tell you that you are a king's kid. Amen? To remind you that you are the chosen of God, that you are a royal priesthood, that you are a holy nation. Amen? The Bible says that we've been set apart for the goodness and the calling and the righteousness of God, as Galatians tells us, that we've been set apart for those things, that we are the bride of Christ. And often we tell ourselves, you know what? I'm not very successful. I'm not going to make it. You know, I'm not going to have the things that I want in life. Maybe as we're talking about health this year and we're talking about being healthy and the first quarter, these first 90 days, uh, we've set apart, uh, for our first time guests, we've set apart this first 90 days of the year to focus on our physical health. And as we're talking about the self-perception today, maybe some of you set out, you said, you know what, Pastor Matt? One of my goals was to lose, lose weight this year. Five pounds, 10, 20, fill in the blank, whatever it was. I want to lose X amount of pounds this year. That's, that's my goal. Over 12 months, I want to shed some weight. Maybe some of you, it, it is, I want, a, I want a healthier marriage. That, that ultimately is what I need in life. I don't need to lose weight. I just need a healthier marriage. Maybe for some of you, you need a career change, whatever it looks like. But I believe this is the genesis for some of us, this starting point. Getting this down, understanding that I need to start seeing myself the way God the Father sees me. And again, for some of us, that I don't always have to play the villain. I don't always have to be the bad guy. I want to give you the definition of image. It means icon or idol. It refers to material representations of persons or things. An image is a representation as in a statue or effigy. When I think about image, I think to the story in Daniel chapter 3, verse 16 and 18. It tells us about three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. In Daniel chapter 3, verse 16, for those that are maybe unfamiliar with the story, let's leave that up there for a moment. The back story is that Daniel and his three friends... They were actually taken from their land as kids. They were brought to a foreign land. They were growing up as teenagers at this time, probably between the ages of 15 and 18 years old is when this was happening. Can you imagine some of our teenagers in the house today? I want to speak to you just to tell you this, that you can stand up in the face of pressure. Amen? Even in a culture that denies God, you can do this. And here are three teenagers that they were raising the king. These were smart men. The king had pulled them apart. He had set them out. Nebuchadnezzar had brought them into his palace, and they were learning a different culture. They were learning what different gods were. But as they were growing up, they began to remember the God of their ancestors, the God that we serve of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob. And so the Bible says that that King Nebuchadnezzar erected this massive statue made of gold. And he declared that when the trumpets and the lyres and the harps would sound, that everyone had to bow down and worship this image, this false image of this false dead God. The Bible says that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they answered the king and they said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this manner. 
If that is the case, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. And in this story, they were told that if they didn't worship this image, right, this false image of a false god, it was a false image, and if they didn't worship this image, they were going to be cast into the fiery furnace. Those that are familiar with the story know what happened. Nebuchadnezzar said, all right. He kicked him in the fiery furnace. The Bible says that he, he turned it up seven times hotter than it's ever been. The Bible tells us that the fire was so hot that it even burned up the men that were lighting the fire. That's how hot it was. But when Nebuchadnezzar looked down into the pit of the fire, the Bible says he counted How many? Four men. And he said it seemed as if the fourth man was the image of the Son of God. Now listen, I tell you this story. It's an amazing story in and of itself. But to tell you that there are false images that are created in our culture. There are false images that our society and our culture creates for us as men, for us as husbands, for us as wives, as mothers, as teenagers. As kids, we see them every day. Images that tell us what to look like, what to be like, how to be successful, how to find true pleasure, how to find happiness. Right? You see it and I see it. My goodness, go go to any checkout stand and walk through. Tell us how to, seven ways to a happy life. Ten steps to a successful marriage. I'm here to tell you today, Holly and I have made it 16 and a half years, not because of ten steps or five steps, or whatever, only by the grace of Jesus Christ. Amen? Come on, somebody. I'm just throwing that out there. I love books, and we gave out a book at the marriage retreat. But trust me, at the end of the day, it is only the Bible, not another book, that is going to get you where you need to go. Seven steps to a successful life. Really? Just just seven steps? That's all it takes? for Man, I'm going to tell you what, that sounds like a pretty good deal. Seven steps to, to a highly effective To be a highly effective person, there's just seven steps. Twelve steps to get out of this addiction. Twelve steps to get in this addiction. Twelve or thirteen steps to get here. And we're just walking aimlessly, chasing after stuff of things telling us how to be happy, how to get out of this, and how to get into that, how to get into real estate, how to get out of real estate, how to buy property, how to sell property, how to get rich, how to get poor, how to get happy, how to get sad. And we've got all these things telling us how to get what we want. We've never taken a moment to say, God, is this even the path that you want for me? Have I been busy chasing after false gods, false images, And what I'm doing is, I know, I know that we're not, I know that we're not waking up in the morning and we're setting a book on the desk and we're worshiping that book. Oh, I worship this book. You know, okay. I know that's not happening, church. But you know what we do? We do worship that stuff when we ignore God's word, when we ignore what God has for us, when we start turning our attention to something else other than our attention to God, then yeah. That's what happens. And just like this false image, there needs to be something inside of us that says, you know what? Enough is enough. I'm cutting all of that stuff out of my life. I'm cutting it out of my marriage. 
I'm cutting it out of my career. I'm cutting it out of my finances. I'm cutting it out when it comes to raising my children. I'm going to simplify the process, and it's just going to be me and God. That's it. Are you with me today? Listen to me, church. If you just create enough leverage in your life for God, I promise you with enough time, God can come in. He can straighten out the mess that you have made of life. And my goodness, some of you have done a great job making a mess of your life. But you know, we serve a big God who can come in and solve some big messes. Amen? And God can be your 911. He can be your Savior today if you want Him to be. But I'm encouraging you to start looking through the lens of the Lord. And so what does God see when he looks at you? What does God see when he looks at your marriage? What does God see when he looks into your soul? What does God see when he looks at you and how you look at yourself? You know, I wonder if we don't break God's heart sometimes when we talk about his creation the way we talk about it. Some of us say terrible things about ourselves. Don't you know that God hears that? He created you. It's almost as if we're spitting in the face of God when we bash his creation. We tell ourselves, oh, I'm fat and I'm ugly and my hair is too straight or it's too curly or it's too shiny or it's not shiny enough. And, I mean, I find it funny that women put on makeup to take shine off their face, but they put hair stuff in their hair to make their hair shine. And maybe men do this too. I don't know. But anyway, let's leave it anyway. So, you know, we just got all these products to make us pretty and to do this and to do that and And I'm saying, I I want you to be pretty. You know, I'm glad we do all that stuff. But, but here at my heart church, we look at the mirror and in front of the mirror sometimes and we'll say things about ourselves, about God's own creation. We're we're talking about God's creation. And we're saying, man, you're stupid. Man, you're never going to make it. Man, you have made a mess of this life. You know, I hope you're happy. You've made everybody else miserable. And we just begin to bash ourselves. And what we're doing is we're bashing God's creation. God created us. Now, maybe he didn't create the mess that you're in. Maybe you have something to do with that. Maybe it's not all the devil's fault. Come on. Amen? Don't give the devil so much credit. You have a lot to do with it too sometimes. The devil didn't make you do anything. You chose to do it. That's a whole other message. So, but in Daniel chapter 3, verse 16, excuse me, verse 17, he says, If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor we worship the golden image which you have set up. So I know that there's not a king in America that we would say that to, but what we can do as a church, for all the parents in here, what you can do to teach your children, grandparents can teach your grandkids, wherever you are in life, if you, if you don't have kids, to reinforce to yourself is to tell this culture, is to tell the culture in which we live. You know what? The culture does not tell me what I need to think about myself. Thank you, but no thanks. Are you with me today, church? Somebody say thanks, but no thanks. Say it like you mean it. Thanks, but no thanks. Thank you for suggesting how I should live but no thanks. Thank you for telling me how I should raise my kids, but seriously, no thanks. Thank you for telling me what my marriage should look like, but, but no thanks. Uh, thank you for telling me uh, how to be happy in life, but, but really no thanks. Are you with me today, church? I, I really mean that. You, you need to, as a couple, as yourself, maybe doing the car on the way home, or maybe you want to get up in the morning and, and just tell the devil, thanks, but no thanks. 
Are you with me today, church? We need to let the world know and the culture know, you know what? You don't get to invade my home anymore. God's word will tell us how we will live. God's word will tell me what I will, what, how I should feel about myself. God's word will tell me what true happiness is and how to find true happiness. Amen? That is not found at the end. At the end of a bottle, it's not found at at the end of a good book, and it's not found at the end of a relationship online, but it is found in a relationship with Jesus Christ, my rock and my redeemer. Amen? And when we start looking through the lens of the Lord at our life, church, I promise you, your life can turn around. Amen? Stand your feet this morning. I want to close with this thought. The definition of perception is an impression, an attitude, or understanding based on what is observed or thought. An attitude or understanding based on what is observed or thought. You see, what we perceive to be real is real. Perception is a very powerful thing. What we perceive to be real is real, whether it's real or not. But if we perceive it to be real, if it's a true perception in our mind, it's just the truth. So often our perceptions of ourselves become our reality. And we begin telling ourselves, we perceive that we're not going to be great, we're not going to be successful, that our marriage won't make it. And those perceptions become reality, and our reality becomes just that, our reality. And we begin living what we believe. What would look like, what would today look like if if you started confessing God's word over your life? If you took one or two scriptures just today. And you just begin to profess those in your life. Maybe it's Ephesians 3.20. Maybe it's, God, I believe that you can do immeasurably above all that I could ever do. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I want to ask you here today, you know, if you're unsure where, where you would make your home today, and I mean eternally, if there's a part of you in here today and maybe you're just unsure, he's like, you know, Pastor Matt, if I were to leave this planet today, I don't know if I would make heaven my home. I, I don't know if I would be ready to meet Jesus. And you're, you're here today and you're saying, Pastor Matt, I want to know that I'm ready to meet Jesus. If I were to leave this planet today, I want to know beyond a shadow of a doubt, would you pray for me? If you just raise your hand, put it right back down. Thank you. Thank you. Wow, many hands. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. Anyone else? Quickly. Raise your hand. Thank you. Yes. Anyone else? Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Yes, sir. Thank you. I want everyone to repeat this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I confess my sins to you. Come and live in my heart. Forgive me of my sins. I believe that you died for me. In three days, you rose from the grave. I believed what I've prayed. In Jesus' name, amen. So be it. Give the Lord a praise today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sing it out with...